Welcome back to First Draft Phil. Today is part two of what I'm calling Six Things at the Intersection of Worship and Holiness. Now just a little warning, these last three might just hit a nerve. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad that you guys decided to make this little podcast part of your life. This is the second part of a two-part episode on worship and holiness, six things at the intersection of worship and holiness. Uh, If you did not listen to the last episode, I just highly encourage you to go back and listen. We explored the first three things, uh, and I'll recap just briefly Uh, The text uh, from Scripture that we focused on uh, was from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, which says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, Jesus, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So that theme of beholding and becoming can be traced throughout scripture Again, I just encourage you to go back and listen to the episode last time. It's the foundation of what we're talking about today, that the more we look at Jesus, the more we keep our eyes on Him, the more we commit to worshiping Him, it, that very act allows Him to form us into the people that He is committed to us becoming. The first three items we went through last week were that we worship, number one, in times of ease and in times of hardship. What that does when we worship, no matter what the external circumstances, is is we prove that our faith is not based on how well things are going on around us. The second thing we talked about was that we worship in times of comfort and in times of refinement. That is, when we sense the presence of the Lord very near, we all need those times and God loves to comfort us. And we also worship in times of refinement. That is, when we do not sense the presence of God as nearly as at other times. And what this does is it purifies our hearts. Um, we can be sure that if, if that is a reality in our life, that we don't sense God close, um, He's not withholding anything good from us, but He's simply maturing our faith. The third thing we talked about was that we worship in the shallows and in the depths. Um, we worship uh, Jesus as Lord and as a friend, we worship him as king, but also as lover of our souls, not only as heavenly father, but also as heavenly father. Um, and we just talked about how that manifests itself in the different songs that we choose for corporate worship. We can sing simple songs of, I love you, Lord, or I could sing of your love forever. And we could also sing songs that explore theology in depth. Uh, we talked about the song, Wondrous Cross, 
by Isaac Watts. Um, that leads really well into these last three points today. Uh, and again, I'll try to bring in some music here so that uh, my voice doesn't just drone on for you. The, the fourth, fifth, and sixth things, as I said at the beginning of this episode, they might touch a nerve. So let me just say them real quick for you. Fourthly, we worship in our preferred musical styles and in other styles. Fifthly, we worship both with skill and from a pure heart. Sixthly, we worship now, in the now, and in the not yet. That is, honestly and hopefully. Okay, let's dive in. We worship in our preferred styles and in other styles. If you say to me that you do not have a preferred style, I'm going to call you out on it. Most of us have certain musical styles that resonate with us, certain lyrical styles that resonate with us, and our expression of worship to God is a highly personal thing. We exult, we, we praise God uh, spontaneously when things resonate with us, whether that be musically or lyrically, um, stylistically, whatever it may be. Um, we all have our preferred styles, but we cannot make those styles. And I, I this should go without saying, but it, it unfortunately needs to be said. We worship God in other styles to show that it's not about us. It's not about us. Worshiping in our preferred styles is a good and necessary thing. We must be able to speak to God in our own language, to express our love to Him in our native tongue, musically, uh, verbally. But all things, all good things can become idols if we insist on our own preferences. We've all seen... Uh, the tropes, and we, we all have heard about people leading worship and certain individuals sitting with their arms crossed, like this is not how it should be. Um, and we, we tend to put uh, traditional folks, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that, in that basket of, you know, uh, they're not full of the spirit or, you know, they're <laughs> whatever you might say. But, you know, people who are maybe in uh, the contemporary or Pentecostal or prophetic camp can be just as idolatrous in their preferences, uh, just as judgmental. So we have to be careful not to idolize our own preferences. If the substance is there, then the music can take on myriad forms. The worship of God can take on very many forms. God is a creative God. He's created all of us 
Um, just think of the whole world and the gospel of Jesus Christ going out into the, the entire world and his church being made up of so many expressions. If it's biblical, that is, if it, if it says the truth, then there's going to be a lot of different ways to express that verbally and musically. Um, it's also good to praise to each other. You know, uh, the Bible enjoins us to uh, sing to one another in uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It says in the Psalms that one generation will praise his works to another. And I think that goes both ways, old to young, young to old, traditional to contemporary, contemporary, traditional, whatever you want to say. Um, just let's not idolize our styles, okay? <laughs> I grew up playing a brass instrument in the Salvation Army. Now, uh, that's my denomination. I realize that some of you may be listening to this and um, have a different experience, but I grew up with um, with two very different models before me. Um, and look, I can clearly see it looking back. I see individuals in my mind that will go unnamed, but I can see the type of leader um, who demanded of me musical excellence and whose life did not demonstrate the love of God. And I can see leaders in my mind's eye who loved Jesus so much and their heart was full of praise and adoration for him um, and also were excellent musicians. And it's clear looking at their life and the fruit of their life, who was in the driver's seat, what the motivation for them was. And this goes across the board. Obviously, this is about more than music in, in the area of worship, um, worship musicians in the church. But we have all seen uh, people who put musical excellence above the holiness of their heart. And we've seen the result of that. I would rather be in a core, in a church with um, people who... Um, love Jesus and maybe are not the best of the best of the best, musically speaking. Now, I'm fortunate where I am right now to be in a place where, man, I've got people who love the Lord and are amazing musicians. But if you have to choose, which one are you going to choose? Luckily, we don't have to choose. We can worship with our skill and from a pure heart as long as we get the order right. If I can wax poetic just a little bit, in the Salvation Army, uh, our history, our musical offerings began as these just little ragtag bands of people who were sold out to Jesus. Now those brass bands evolved at times and in places to very prestigious ensembles. Sometimes in the Salvation Army, heart motive has taken a backseat to musical ability even if it meant short-term gain. This is not just true in our uh, traditional music elements. It's true in our contemporary musical elements as well. I'll give a quote from Samuel Logan Bringle, who was a prophet in the Salvation Army's early days, and he said this, Love is the life of the army. 
if we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. But if love leaks out, we shall lose our crown. We shall have a name to live and yet be dead. We may still house the homeless, dole out food to the hungry, punctiliously perform our routine work, but the mighty ministry of the Spirit will no longer be our glory. Our musicians will play meticulously. Our songsters will revel in the artistry of song that tickles the ear, but leaves the heart cold and hard. Wow. That is a warning if I've ever heard. Um, It's a warning to me and to you, anybody listening to this who's a musician, a worship leader. Keep the main thing the main thing. Worship God with all of your skill, but never let that take the front seat to our first love, Jesus. All right, lastly, we worship honestly and hopefully. Kind of can't decide on what the, how to say this last one. Honestly, that is now in our present reality and hopefully, which is not yet. What do I mean by this? We worship in the reality of our continued progression in holiness and in a secure hope that a new reality will most certainly come. We are not yet perfect people. We all stumble in many things. Scripture says this. It's this tension of, you know, I am not yet completely 100% where I should be or where I could be. God's not done with me yet. And... I will be one day, that allows us to be humble and obedient servants. Sometimes our lofty expressions of of worship songs uh, can lead to burnout in the people who are leading them. If I'm constantly declaring things that my life is not living up to, um, that disconnect will create um, a, a bad form of spiritual burnout. Sometimes these expressions lend themselves to a disconnect between our lived reality and our well-intentioned declarations. But grace, all is grace. God calls us, his provenient grace, saves us, justifying grace, continues to shape us sanctifying grace, but it's all grace. Celebrating these two realities that God catches us when we fall and he catapults us forward. Celebrating those two realities in song both comforts us and challenges us in encouraging, never condemning, always encouraging ways. Even if we fall back, we press on. So we worship in these expressions of Here's where I am now. Teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you are my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. 
and the not yet. We worship in the not yet. The song ever be. Um, I love that worship song that, that declares that Jesus will have his bride free of all her guilt, rid of all her shame, and known by her true name. We sing about the not yet. And in the tension of that, God is shaping us into the people he wants us to be. So that's four, five, and six of the six things at the intersection of holiness and worship. I want to give maybe what I would call a um, a footnote here, uh, a call maybe. If these things are true, and I and I and I spent a long time preparing this and thinking about these things, if our goal in worship is to see Jesus for who he is and for our lives to reflect him, then how should we as worship leaders, as worship planners, um, how should we organize our meetings? And I just want to say this one thing. Uh, and I was with my brother, brother Ronnie Murchison this past weekend and I'm kind of borrowing a little bit from what he said, but most of the items that we put into a gathering on Sunday morning for for so many of the meetings I've been a part of over the years, uh, even in some of the, the conferences that I've been a part of, and again, I can only speak to my experience in the Salvation Army, so many of them are sh- are, are stuffed full of things that have nothing to do with Jesus. They just don't. If our goal on a Sunday morning is to put him up, to lift him up, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw everybody to myself. If the goal is for people to see him, to worship him, to be transformed, come on, let's not fill our meetings with things that have nothing to do with him. Let's not just go from one item on a program to another item to another item to can we linger in his presence can we schedule time so that people can linger you know it takes time for people to come in and shake the dust off from the week from the parking lot from the stuff of everyday life to actually enter in to worship to get in the right frame of mind yes our goal is that we abide in Christ 24/7 but the reality is that the world is always trying to pull us away from that. So we need time to get into the worship, time to behold him, time to see him, time for him to take center stage so that we can lift him up and become like him. Now, as I was doing, uh, as I was preparing for this um, presentation that I gave, again, I gave this presentation a couple weeks ago in Canada at at a holiness retreat. This, this word, this analogy popped into my head of amniotic fluid. Now, we all know, maybe you don't, amniotic fluid is the protective liquid um, that's contained by the amniotic sac. Uh, it serves as a cushion for the growing baby, but also serves to facilitate the exchange of nutrients, water, and biochemical products between the mother and child. This is the amniotic sac. When we have extended times of worship, 
it provides this type of atmosphere where the Holy Spirit ministers His grace in this amniotic fluid type of way, both to us individually and corporately. But we wouldn't take that baby out early. It's not going to get what it needs. So let's make it a point not to fill our meetings with just line items. Have times of worship. Even if you have to break through the uncomfortability of of not knowing how to do it at first, having those extended times allows other people to enter in fully. That's my soapbox. I'm stepping off of it now. Okay. That's all I have for you today, friends. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that this has been helpful for you, encouraging to you. Um, Those six things, again, I'll just run them down by name. Uh, At the intersection of worship and holiness, we worship in times of ease and hardship, in times of comfort, in times of refinement, in the shallows and in the depths. And then today we talked about how we worship in our preferred style and in other styles to show that worship is not about us. We worship with our skill and from a pure heart, but first our heart. And we worship honestly now in our current reality and hopefully with a view to what's to come. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Uh, I know that those were a a lot of points. I hope that some of it was helpful for you. Um, If you enjoyed this or if it ministered to you, please leave a five-star rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, If you'd like to support me, um, go to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lager, L-A-E-G-E-R. And uh, yeah, next week, I'm not even sure what's coming up, but I'm looking forward to sharing with you again. God bless you guys. And remember, no matter where you are, no matter what stage of your journey you're on, God is not done with you yet. He's faithful all the way from your first draft to your finished story. Okay, see you next week.